Let's do this thing. This week on MXPB, we've got a special guest to talk speedrunning. Plus, we cover the exciting news from Nintendo. Stay tuned, MXPB starts now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Morning XP Boost. We're your hosts, Tox and Glitch, and we're here to give you the experience points you need to get through your week. What do you think about that, Glitch? Oh, I am super excited. We've got a great show today, so I cannot wait to jump into it. Yes, really big shoe, really big shoe. I think <laughs> we have some exciting news that uh, we had some other news and then something happened this morning and we'll talk about it. Uh, and we've got our usual daily dose, weekly dose of history. And then we've got a special feature with a special guest covering speed running. So let's get to it. What do you think? Oh, I can't wait. All right. So the big news. We were going to talk about how Nintendo Switch is in Ikea in China, but instead, when I woke up this morning, Glitch told me that the Nintendo Switch OLED edition had been announced. Uh, Glitch, tell me more. So the Nintendo Switch, uh, Nintendo actually, about 30 minutes before we were going uh, live here, uh, decided to go ahead and announce the Nintendo Switch OLED. They're going to be increasing that screen size from 6.227. Now, while that's impressive, Tox, is there something that people really wanted? What's the most important new spec on this system? (laughs) Well, I don't know about you, but for me, every time I try to play my Switch outside the dock with that flimsy little kickstand, it would always fall over. Yes, so they've increased the kickstand. That is the most important. Yes, (laughs) what everyone was asking for. We have a larger kickstand now on the Nintendo Switch. What are some other uh, what are some other new specs that we we can expect to see on this new OLED switch? (laughs) Yeah, so they announced the seven inch OLED, the awesome kickstand, some enhanced audio whatever that means, which is mostly a, these are all pretty much handheld features. Um, one addition in the dock is a dedicated ethernet port, um, as well as 64 gigabytes of internal storage. So this is an update that really targets uh, handheld players. Uh, the dock has the ethernet port, but you could get a $20 USB dongle to ethernet from Amazon if you really wanted that before on the existing Switch models. Um, and then the 64 gigabytes of internal storage is a plus whether you're handheld or docked. Um, but of course you can also get a 512 gigabyte SD card. So uh, that's extra 32 gigabytes of internal storage is maybe gets you a couple more games. If for some reason that 512 card is not enough for you. Um, and then there's the colors. The colors are beautiful. Yes. I would strongly agree. Is it is it two new colors or one new color that we're getting? We're getting new white Joy-Cons and a white Nintendo Switch dock. Uh, and then there's a model as well uh, for the OLED version that has the classic red and blue Joy-Cons. I'll tell you, I so, think that new, yeah. uh, the new white version, super clean, 
it looks it yeah. looks really nice. And I think too the the new OLED going from the six point two to the seven, it's very noticeable. Uh, they've decreased the size of the bezels. Uh, I th- I always kind of thought with the where technology is right now that the bezels on the current switch were kind of on the larger side, and I think this really brings it into the where we're at basically in the technology world uh kind of with other things that you see like tablets and stuff going with the smaller bezels so i think this brings the nintendo switch to uh to a current technological spec the latest in bezel technology (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah, so obviously this is not the uh, Nintendo Switch Pro that we were talking about in earlier episodes and others were sort of wishing and hoping for. You know, we did not get any, we didn't really get specifics on the internal hardware, if it's using a new chip, if it has any upgraded CPU or GPU processing power. It, we didn't get any info on 4K output. It's still 1080p output from the dock. Um, And of course, we don't have any native Bluetooth headphone support, which would have been a nice little incremental upgrade that a lot of people wanted. But it is not uncommon for console manufacturers, Nintendo, Sony, Xbox, to release a refresh of their systems, um, particularly for the Switch, such a wildly popular system to begin with. Um, It makes a lot of sense from that standpoint. And it's just not—it's just not the pro that we were all so hoping for, unfortunately. But I would still say, you know, if if you purchased an original Nintendo Switch, or even if you purchased the upgraded Nintendo Switch that came out, I think what about two years ago? I think with the upgraded battery and improved specs. I think yeah. this is, you know, while it's incremental, if your Switch, a lot of people were playing their Switch hard last year for some reason uh so you know those nintendo switches got some use and if they're you know maybe they're not doing so hot now i think the oled switch is is a nice little bump uh and a great replacement for your switch if it's kind of on its way out it's only a 50 dollar, i think uh 50 dollars more than the standard switch so if you're looking to buy one why not spend the extra 50 dollars? you get that nice clean white color and uh I mean, the 7-inch OLED, which that's going to improve battery life, too, I think. Right, Tox? Yeah, I think so. It's a little more power efficient. And like you said, it's a great it's a great device. If you're buying a Switch fresh, um, it's definitely something that, to look into. Do we have any uh, do we have any history? Does that wrap it up for news today? Yeah, that's that, that's it for news. We've got a lot to talk about in our feature segment. So let's move on to the history in. 2016, July 6, 2016, we had Pokemon Go come out for the mobile devices, iOS and Android. I I have played this game. Have you have you played it, Glitch? <laughs> oh, oh, I played this game. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. What was your experience playing this game? Because I, I know mine is just it's so much fun. It it really is. So at launch, uh, there was so much buzz around Pokemon Go when it first launched, and I I was luckily I was one of the first ones to be able to download it. I was living in Virginia Beach at the time. And you know, I I have to tell you going to Town Square or going to the beach and playing this game with hundreds of other people was absolutely incredible. Uh I have a story that I want to share here in just a couple moments, but I want to find out, you know, what what was your experience <laughs> with it? 
so I I was so hyped for this game to come out. Um, when it first came out, there was some limitation on new accounts because it was so much more popular than Niantic expected. And it was kind of weird too because it was coming from this company not really affiliated with Pokemon, Niantic, who made the actual app. I had a very similar sort of location-based game prior to this. Um, and so I, I think they may not have been familiar, so familiar with uh, the popularity of Pokemon. And so their servers being overwhelmed, it took me a solid couple months before I could actually get on and play. But once I did, it was one of those things that is just so accessible. I can play it uh, with my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. I could play it with my coworkers, which, you know, it can be hard to connect with those coworkers sometimes. And so it's really nice to have something that, you know, it's just super popular, super simple, free to play. That's a big plus um, and has those cute little Pokemon. What could go wrong? So I had a great time playing it. Uh, I'm walking around the neighborhood, walking with the dog, walking with my friends. And, you know, walking is a good it, it's it's good. It's good to get some exercise, release those endorphins and play some Pokemon. Yeah, uh, I mean. It was so much fun when it first came out, and it still is. It's a game that has continued to live on. I know I have a lot of people at work that still play it. Uh, they love, you know, it's it's also like a routine thing. You've got to go in. You've got to spin your stops. You've got to get your Pokeballs and your uh, other consumables and stuff that they've added to the game now. And uh, one one thing that I remember that sticks out, and this will like, this is like a gaming history moment for me, and, and it's something yeah. I'll never forget. I was at the beach playing shortly after. I want to say this was maybe several weeks, maybe a month after it came out. And a a Charizard has appeared. And I remember it was either a Charizard or it was a Snorlax. And everyone that's playing on this boardwalk starts to just run towards that direction. And like we're like, hey, you know, what are you guys running for? And they're like, there's a Snorlax or it was e- Snorlax or Charizard, whatever. They're like, it's appeared on, you know, whatever it was, block 35 or, you know, the 35th block. Let's go. We've got to get down there. So we get down there and talks. There were hundreds of people, hundreds, (laughs) no joke, not exaggerating, hundreds of people. And we're all there. We're trying to cram into this spot to try to catch this Pokemon. And. You know, we're having a blast. We're talking to these other people around us. We're trying to catch this Pokemon. And a lot of us do. We manage to get it uh, before it kind of leaves the area and disappears. And I remember this moment after after it had left. We're all kind of lingering around the area. More people are still pouring in. They had heard the news from blocks away. And we're hoping to get a chance to catch this Pokemon. And somebody in the in the crowd. I mean, at this point, we're all packed in there. There's a crowd hundreds of us and we start singing i want to be the very best like no one ever was <laughs> we all start singing this po- pokemon theme so I've, I've got cold chills actually right now thinking about it hundreds of us singing the pokemon theme song i don't know what it must have looked like to the outsiders who were watching but it's one of it's it's one of those surreal moments in my life that i will never forget and that's all thanks to pokemon go I made a ton of friends that evening that I still talk to to this day. We were trading numbers. We were going out and, you know, hey, I'm going to go to, there was a park there uh, that was, it was an old landfill. Hey, I'm going to this landfill park. 
uh, next week on Saturday. Do you guys want to go? Sure. So it, w- it was such a great experience. Getting the friends together to go to the landfill. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. There's nothing quite like it. Yeah, that's the beauty of this game. That's the magic of this game. I think the ability to bring people together in large crowds, which, I, I you know, right now is a little bit hard to fathom. But uh, someday in the past, that was a desirable thing, believe it or not. <laughs> that's uh, right. Yeah. An, an amazing game. And one quick thing I saw uh, <laughs> on NintendoLife.com. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator of Mario, a big wig at Nintendo, super fun gaming icon, um, says he's still playing Pokemon Go. He's playing Pokemon Go in Japan, and he loves how he can play it with his neighbors, friends, and family. Um, And he he says, too, the average age of the person playing Pokemon Go in Japan, according to him, is 60 years old. So it just speaks to the wide appeal of this, plus... It's got Miyamoto's stamp of approval, which, I mean, doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> All right, so for our feature presentation today, we are so excited to welcome HLock to the show to talk speedrunning. HLock is a three time Retro Olympics champion, gaming <laughs> enthusiast, and friend of the pod. HLock, welcome to MXPB. Hi, how are you two doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. We're so excited to Good. have you. Good. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So we're going to talk speed running. And I thought, you know, maybe you could just sort of set the scene for us. Uh, you know, tell us what is speed running? What's it all about? So in, in, in simple terms, it's just taking a game and finishing a section of it as fast as you can so that could be the entire game or just a certain level or just a certain chunk of levels or whatever it may be it's just the goal is to get from point a to point b as quickly as possible in a certain kind of rule set yeah yeah so um talk to me a little bit more about you know an example of that what are some of the games that are popular to speedrun, and what are their goals well, mo- uh, a lot of games that get run are kind of games that were already popular. So you'll see a lot of Mario games, you'll see Zelda, you'll see Kirby, you'll see Sonic, you'll see Pokemon, whatever. The The rule set they use is just get to the end of the game because that's the, the rule set people are most familiar with. And uh, it's kind of the most recognizable way of playing a game is just power through to the end. Now, nice, nice. Um, what, what type of games have uh, you specifically played? Uh, done the speed runs with uh well i i i personally uh liked to run super mario brothers like a while ago like a few years ago because it's kind of the most popular game kind of ever so i thought i'd try that <laughs> and then i tried uh banjo kazooie and kirby's dreamland which were both quite fun but i kind of lost kind of touch on that once kind of new stuff was put into the run and then very recently, aka like yesterday, I <laughs> tried uh, Astro's Playroom on the PS5 and I thought, oh yeah, this one, this might be good to speedrun. So um, try that in the future. Nice. And a game like Astro is, uh, you know, very different than a game like Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario mm-hmm. World. Uh, what are some of the goals that you're going for in Astro and how would they be different from the goals that you go for in uh, Super Mario World or Banjo-Kazooie? 
Well, it kind of varies on the genre. So um, 2D platformers and 3D platformers are the kind of the most popular ones you'll see. And the goal varies on, it's very like dependent on what the actual game is. So in Super Mario Brothers, it'll just be finish all the levels or finish a certain amount of like the quickest set of levels. But I think it's like, there's like eight levels you do in the current Mario Brothers 3 run. But in something like Banjo-Kazooie, it's a lot of a, it's a lot more open. It's a lot bigger. So there's a lot kind of, it's a lot longer and there's more to do. So there'd be like, oh, you have to get the 10, 10 jiggies in each world or all the notes or whatever. So it's a lot, it leaves a lot more room for kind of experimentation in the run. Wow. So uh, I know with some of the, the games that, that are a little lengthier, I, uh, Mm-hmm. I know that uh, I think Zelda is a pretty popular one to to also do a speed run with. Now, with my na- mm-hmm. my namesake Glitch, I've heard <laughs> that these speed runners can utilize glitches to to kind of boost the time. Is that uh, is that something that you're familiar with? Yep, that's so that's a massive kind of part of a lot of games. Again, it, it's, it's um, any strategy will. I will kind of say in the future it obviously depends on the game but in most games there are glitches or kind of sequence breaks that can allow you to just completely cut parts of the game so like in Zelda like you say in Ocarina of Time the you basically skip most of the game by just cut like it's a big sequence break and kind of big skips like that are kind of part of the kind of charm of speedrunning because it is taking games that people know or think that they know, and then completely kind of busting them wide open. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. That, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, earlier we were talking, and you mentioned a few different modes. Like, you mentioned already the sort of get to the end as fast as possible, mm-hmm. any mean pos- any by any means. Um, yeah. And then there are also sort of completion level goals. Like, I, th- I guess that might fall into the any percent category. Uh, and then there's a hundred percent where you try to do everything, or if the game keeps count of how, what yep. percentage you are, try to get to a hundred. And then there was another interesting one you mentioned: low percent. Uh, tell me yes. a little bit more about a hundred percent and low percent. Yeah, so any percent, as you said, is just kind of get to the end, like however you can. It doesn't matter how much or how little you do. Hundred percent kind of bases off like how much the game tracks. So it, so there might be some stuff in a game that you can collect, but it's not actually required for 100%. But there is obviously a lot of stuff that would be required. So it kind of you have to kind of plan the route around what you need to collect and where, or what you need to do, or who you need to fight, or whatever. And then low percent is... Low percent's kind of hard to explain. It's where you obviously still try and go as fast as you can, but you try and complete as little of the game as you possibly can. <laughs> So in 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 a way of explaining that is um like if a game tracks your percentage if one player beat the game in an hour with mm-hmm. 25% completion then that would obviously just say that went to the top but then if someone else did it in 1 hour and 5 minutes but they did it in 24% completion that run would then go to the top because there's less stuff done <laughs> I like that it's some, so complete, something about completion. efficiency and something about like just I love playing games in ways that they are not obviously meant to be played and low percent yeah. seems like taking that to an extreme. I love it. That, that that does take it to the kind of that's the most kind of extreme category that you'll see in most games is low percent. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit more about the competition aspect of speedrunning. running. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, leaderboards where certain times and completions are bubbled up to the top and people yep. submit their new times. Um, tell me a little bit more about how do you how do you go about actually timing and training for those competitions? And uh, how do you verify that you did it correctly? Well, every every game, there's a website called speedrun.com. Every game will have its own page on that, which has the leaderboards. Uh, like kind of guides and like rules for each category. So you kind of have to make sure your run follows the rules once you can, if you want to submit it to speedrun.com and to kind of set it up in a hardware sense, you would probably need a computer, uh, a capture card or emulator, depending on what game you're playing. And then uh, a program called live split, which is kind of the main timer that most like big runners use because it's kind of the most universal recognized one, which times each section of the game to kind of track how well you're doing. Mm. And then you have to kind of make sure it follows the rules and like there are guides for each game. So you can kind of use the most optimal kind of route. And then once you're done, you can submit it to the leaderboard and see if, see where it is. Nice. Uh, so you kind of touched on emulators versus uh, original hardware. Are there certain advantages that emulation versus hardware give or, uh, you know, different versions of a game might give you? Uh, yeah, that's definitely a thing. Um, emulated emulation is kind of a big, it's kind of a controversy in some games because it can allow a kind of unfair advantages depending on like if it's emulated or if it's the original version and in terms of version differences there's like there's both like regional differences and like update differences for kind of more modern games so if a glitch for example in the release version of a game if there's a glitch that kind of saves time but then in the next update it gets patched out uh there'll kind of be a debate on whether that whether people move to the new version or stick on the old version and kind of keep using that time save. Now is yeah is there um is there typically a specific version of these games that tends to maybe run a little bit faster that's approved? Uh, yeah, that that is a thing. Uh, there's kind of in terms of most older games, so like SNES, N64, PlayStation One, that kind of era. There's kind of the American version, European version, and Japanese version. And in most games, the European version is the slowest. The American version is kind of the middle ground. And the Japanese version is fastest. Because in most Japanese games, any text that kind of appears on screen will scroll a lot faster because Japanese is kind of a more concise language. So they don't use as much text. So that's kind of an, that's kind of the most universal, like, version difference between most games as speedrunning has gained in popularity there have been some communities i know that have uh, kind of begun to pop up as well what do you know about some of the the communities that are uh, beginning to garner a following well there's there's a lot of like it kind of started in the early days in like like 2007 2008 once kind of the internet became a wide a big like a very widely used thing and youtube it got bigger and twitter and facebook and whatever else people kind of began to form groups around their own games so like all the mario runners would have their own group and all the sonic and all whatever else all the final fantasy but then it kind of evolved into a bigger kind of collective group 
once like live streaming and Twitch kind of gained popularity because it let kind of people watch other people practice their games and then they could become interested and then they could start running it and then that would spread out to a lot of other people. Yeah. And, you know, so watching Twitch was one of the ways that I was introduced to speedrunning to begin with. Uh, I feel like so many people on Twitch who are playing those classic games, if you're just scrolling through Twitch and looking for something to watch, you see, oh, Super Mario World. That's cool. I played Super Mario World. So you go into their stream and you start watching the, uh, you know, their stream of Super Mario World. And they're doing something that I have never done or never even seen before. They're doing these moves, jumping off of, you know, hitting the turtle shell against the wall and then the shell bounces back and then you jump off the shell and you clear a thing. They're flying through the entire level. Um, It's really something special to see for the first time. Uh, And I I think that's part of the appeal of speedrunning and even other forms of games like I know Super Mario World especially has these Kaizo levels, which are just sort of fan-made but super difficult yeah and you have to do all these um really intense moves to just even navigate a few a few virtual feet in the game yeah i think that that's kind of part of the kind of the i said before the charm and kind of the magic of it is taking game that you think you know really well and then seeing someone else seeing someone who's a top a top runner at it and then they just do stuff you've never even seen or heard of or whatever before and it kind of draws you in and kind of makes you want to keep watching it because it's so different to what you expect well hlock thank you so much for joining us and helping to make us smart about speed running and all the cool <laughs> things associated with it all right folks that wraps it up for the show this week we hope you enjoyed yourselves if you like the show please leave us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform feel free to send us a twitter gram a face tweet or an insta book or just shout into your phone really loud. We are at Morning XP Boost. Thank you so much for listening. We can't wait to see you again in the next one. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.